Welcome back. It's Locked On Chiefs. Day two of training camp is in the books. Some news and notes about snap counts, who's lining up where, what's going on. One injury that's a little bit precluding, as well as a couple of concepts that might be coming down the line. We're going to get into all of that and more. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Hey, 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 looks like you're you're moved in there. I'm getting close. Uh, yeah, my switch isn't working, so I've got to figure that out. Um, I do have my light almost set up, but I ran out of time trying to get my switch working. So my apologies, it should be set up by our show on Sunday. Rock on. I, I <laughs> remember those days moving, not fondly, so... I can no. understand where you're coming from, but hey, while you're moving sore guys at camp, there's a lot going on, and I think that everybody was pretty pretty hyped. We talked about Trey Smith yesterday with Matt. Um, anything along the O-line that you're concerned about at this point? Concerned? No. Impressed? Very much so. I'm, I'm impressed with Trey Smith starting, or at least working in with the starters. I was not expecting that this early. I was excited about his potential, but... Uh, I understand Long is out, and it sounds like they're thinking it may be like the first week of the season because that's not what we originally heard. We heard originally first week of training camp. Now we're hearing first week of season, so you have to wonder if it's going to be the first week of the season. He went on to the active pup. Yes, he can come back at any time, but Trey Smith's stepping in for him as opposed to LDT stepping in for him isn't is intriguing. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I feel the same way about it, and like, Everybody heals differently. Everybody's rehab goes differently. Um, so far, you could say well, I'm one for two. I, I didn't feel that Long was going to be recovered by now. I didn't think that Baker was either. Baker's back out there. I had a second day of some decent reps from what I understand. And I think that's a really pleasant surprise for me. And if that continues down that path, it's going to be a conundrum for the staff. Yeah, it definitely is. And you got called out by the what ex-mayor of Kansas City. <clears throat> yeah, Mayor Sly, uh, you were right. You you, you jumped it, and I thought you were ahead of the game, but uh, you had it right. <laughs> well, we'll see if he's starting by the third week of the season. I think it's possibility is um, going to be very interesting when they get the full pads on and they're able to go full contact and see how that ends up going. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I am as well. And I think Andy Reid kind of set it up, like giving the kid a break, like, hey, we haven't even put on pads yet. Let's see how it goes. Andy was very – uh, withdrawn about that because, quite frankly, it's difficult. When you heard uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire today talk about feeling a lot more comfortable going into his second year of camp, even though he didn't have OTAs or any preparation then, I, it's a difficult task, especially for a huge offensive lineman in the heat that they're dealing with now, to make that kind of consistent progress that he'll have to make. But we'll see what happens. There, there are three viable options now. I thought it was two and a rookie. Now it's three real options at right guard. Well, and I think what you're looking at even more than that is you're looking at a situation where Andy Reid is going against the grain of what he's used to doing mm-hmm. because he hasn't been using offensively rookies when it comes to the offensive line. He's been usually letting the vets play, and he's at least been letting the vets get the starter reps during training camp and OTAs. That hasn't been the case with Creed Humphrey. That hasn't that doesn't seem to be the case with Trey Smith. So that is very I don't know what the right word is. Intriguing is probably not the right word. That's very fun to think about because if you can get two starters, and honestly, I'm okay if they have growing pains throughout the first part of the year. 
because if they're learning on the learning as they play, then it's going to be a good situation for Kansas City down the road. Well, and I'll say this too: they they have some stout teams early in the season, right? Yep. Uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, uh, Tennessee, what week five or seven, something like that. But if you are able to pull off wins against quality teams, even while you're learning, that means when you meet them in the postseason, you have new wrinkles. You have better players available that will have learned through the process of the season. So I find that a, a really interesting <clears throat> and and kind of back pocket plus for them. No, absolutely, and I do think that that's very. It's going to be a fun thing to watch to see those two develop, and especially if you know Smith is able to start. If he's able to go in there and he's able to be a starter, then you have three guys, or well, two guys, Humphrey and Smith, that are going to be starting that are rookies. And I'm still a little bit surprised about Rimmers being the starter at right tackle. But then again, you start thinking about it, and then you would have three rookies basically starting if you had Niang as your right tackle, which it sounds like they're getting ready to use him in more of a swing tackle type role. Yeah, I mean, I I find it very. I would I would venture a guess that Andy Reid probably. I remember there was that Canadian kid. Um, there was a couple of guys in Philly. There was Fisher. <clears throat> he hasn't started many rookies. I would bet you is probably not even one a season has started on the offensive line, or actually any class for Andy Reid. To have three of them in one offensive line group, I find that a really tall order. Two would probably be pushing it. I can't think of another time there are two rookies on either the Chiefs offensive line or the Eagles in recent memory. So that would be a huge outlier all by itself. Well, and you don't usually even have one. So two is is huge. You're right. And I think that's something to look at. And I think that means a lot for Trey Smith. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, is, is Trey Smith actually going to start or is he just the number two guy behind Long and LDT is the number three guy? LDT is the number three guy. You have to wonder if he's going to be on the roster at the end of training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. We also have to remember that he was out for a year, didn't participate in OTAs. Came in for the three-day minicamp, and that's it. So my expectation is that, A, he's on the roster, and, B, that he is likely to play at some point this season. He might even be the backup on the other side when we get down to it because I don't think that you have faith um, in in Long or Smith going over to left if there's an injury. So maybe that's just really the experienced um, backup depth that I don't think they'll part from unless there's a trade offer. Well, and that's possible. I just, I'm looking at the situation and going, it doesn't make sense to keep him as the number three right guard. Uh, is it possible he can move over to left and be the backup? Yeah. You also have Alec Reddy. You also have Wiley. It's just a question as to who you're going to keep. The thing that LDT does have working for him is he's getting paid by the Chiefs uh, regardless at this point. So, I mean, that will work in his favor. I just am going to be very surprised if he is the right number three right guard on this team that they keep, keep him because you have to remember they have a ton of offensive linemen that they're going to have to figure out how to keep. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. <laughs> and luckily there is the the provision for veterans on the practice squad this year. We'll see if that ever comes into play. We could just be treading water here, folks. When the pads come on, it could be LDT that jumps right back in there. We'll just have to find out. Um, You know, there's a different flavor for every day on that offensive line, and we'll see what happens. And there are another place that you can get a different flavor every day, and those are our friends and sponsors over at Built. Yeah, Built Bar is the best protein bar that you can ever taste. I had a couple of people actually reach out on Twitter saying that they have actually gone out and they've tried it. And they definitely agree that they are the best protein bars they've ever tasted. 
You need to go try these bars if you haven't already. They have nine different flavors, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salsa caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My flavor is my favorite flavor is still the coconut brownie chunk. Uh, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Now I'm hungry. A couple of other hungry guys out at camp. Hungry for what I think is the next step forward. Byron Pringle was out and was at a presser today. And I just have to comment that it's been a couple of seasons now. We've seen him make slow but steady progress, right? And I think that is partially to do with um, exposure, with opportunity, right? But his, like, contagious positivism, I think is an asset for him. And and I like seeing them focus on that, let him get in front of the media. I I think that that probably rubs off on his teammates as well. No, I'm sure it does. And, you know, he left the podium saying EMA. uh, So, you know, tip, hat tip to K-State. I'm sure you absolutely love that, Ryan. Yeah, sure. Um, It's going to be interesting because, you know, as we kind of talked the other day, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, I just read, are actually being accepted to the SEC as of 2025. So that was unanimous. Um, They will be leaving the Big 12. That is going to change the complete complexion of of college football. If it even survives that long. I mean, K-State and Iowa State just became powers as far as I'm concerned. Well, and yeah, you start looking at the Big 12. I wonder if the Big 12 is going to dissolve completely. Are we going back to the Big 8 days? Is that what we're doing? I don't know. <laughs> well, I've heard that the American is looking at the, some of the Big 12 schools. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that's going to end up. I This whole thing is going to be very interesting to watch because you have the two biggest teams in that conference leaving. Now you have a situation where what are you going to do? Those are the pro, those are the biggest programs that they had in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, certainly for football. <clears throat> I mean, could you see KU in the Pac twelve or in the Mountain West? That could happen. They could come calling as well. Oklahoma State could end up in the Mountain West as well. Um, I mean, there, there are a number of possibilities, and all that feeds back into the players that are on this roster and and the reporters as well. Shout out to Herbie Theobi, um, K-State grads. <laughs> you know, they're going to focus on some of these things. Well, and it's going to change the scouting. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about the other day. I think that's really where it becomes a big thing. But getting back to your point about Brian Pringle, I do think that that does play into how his teammates see him and how the organization sees him. I mean, positivity is a huge thing. And I'm not saying that you have a whole bunch of negative guys on the Chiefs roster, but he is extremely positive in just about any any interview that he gives. Yeah, and, and that's something I think, besides just you know being helpful in the room, uh, a, a very crowded position room on this roster, I think it helps him be resilient. Um, he made a couple of plays today. Uh, we heard about Antonio Callaway making a couple of plays, Reese Fountain as well. Um, Jody Fortson got in the mix from a Chad Henney pass. <laughs> You know, there's always a lot to bring that one up. I saw that. Hey, everybody wants him to make it right. Including me, but like the fans want Jody Fortin. So when he does something good, I'm going to let you know, I'll guarantee it. 
Yeah, but he's in the tight end room, remember. So a little bit of a different position group. Uh, and speaking of tight ends, Travis Kelsey went off, uh, walked up the field, walked off the field on his own power, uh, back tightness and hip tightness, I believe. Yeah, that's what Ted Cruz said. Like first thing in the pressers, um, not an injury injury, just tightness through his back and hip. And that's that's significant. It is hot out there. Everyone, all the players are talking about hydration. Um, so clearly they're getting that message pounded onto them every day, all should. the time, as they should. That's what the training staff is for, to make sure that those things happen. Um, now, there should be a break in the weather here over the weekend, and things should cool off a little bit, and then uh, they will get some relief, and so will the fans that are out there. But from what we understand, a couple of, of things about Travis is it allows, obviously, Noah Gray, who was a sensation the first day, evidently continued that the second day. Um, it gets him a few more snaps, get the, gets them a few <clears> more <throat> looks with Noah Gray on one side and Blake Bell as the secondary or blocking tight end as well. And so it tells me that even just bringing that up, that that personnel group is in our future a little bit more than as we've theorized all summer. Yeah, and I would I that doesn't shock me. What I will say is that, you know, we do have a tendency to get after guys that are making plays this time of year. Uh, I want to see it when the pads come on. Mm-hmm. It'll be a completely different thing in my mind if Noah Gray continues to do what he's been doing when the pads come on. And honestly, that goes back to Trey Smith as well. Trey Smith may know where he needs to be. He may do everything that he's supposed to be doing and, and be in position, but it's really going to matter when he's going up one-on-one against Jerron Reed or Chris Jones or you know Colin Saunders or any of those guys. So that's when it's going to matter the most is can he do it then? And that's really what it's going to come down to. The timing is everything. They have a progression, and we know that these first five days were supposed to be pretty mellow. They'll get the pads on coming up, and then everything will hit the road. But you bring up the guy that I want to finish the show with because uh, Chris Jones had some things to say today that I think are really important. We're going to get to that after we get back from this. So at the podium, I thought he was trimmed down, right? I said that a few weeks ago when we first saw him. Evidently, more so than I thought, had to make like a – I can't remember where it was. It was at Popeye's. He had to make a run like on the way to camp to get up to 292. So he said he's aiming to play at 295, which is 15 pounds under his play weight, at least listed weight last year. I, although he did confirm that. So I guess he did play about where he was listed. But if he's coming in at 290, it's even more indicative of the fact that he's going to be out on the edge more so than, than even we thought. He said that Spags is going to move him around. So that's part of that. But I have to think that right now in the current configuration, we're looking at him being more of an edge than than a DT. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's – it's surprising because I think we thought he was going to play some D, some you know defensive end, and, and we thought that he was going to continue to be able to move in and out. Uh, to me, it really sounds like it's going to be more 75-25. It almost sounds like he's going to be playing out at DN that much more uh, than we've really ever thought. And honestly, I think that where you may see other guys come in is going to be when you go, when you decide you want to go with more of a, uh, I don't know, I guess you could call it a NASCAR type package where you have, you know, Okafor, uh, Clark, and Jones all on the field with Jerron Reed or some other player, uh, Deshaun Morton or somebody like that. So, um, yep. Yep. So I, I do think that that's possible. Yeah, I mean, it certainly opens up the possibilities. I've been wanting to see them do that the last couple of seasons, and they haven't gone to it very much. I still think it's a possibility we'll see if they get there. 
I don't think they've had the defensive ends. I don't think they yeah. felt like they had the defensive ends to be able to do that. And if you start looking at how that plays out in the back end, because we haven't talked about the guys in the back end very much, you start looking at the the secondary and you have to have that defensive end this year because you were so young. Yeah. <clears throat> you mean, have to figure that you're going to need to keep people uh, from getting the ball off uh, or having time. So you're going to have to really get after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they play off of each other. There's no way yep. around it. And two things that stood out that Chris said today that I think are really important is that it really is the arrival of Jaron Reed that allows them to do this maneuver with him out on the edge and that Treshawn Wharton is the other guy that, that he and Naughty that aren't getting the pub that are really helping them get there. So yep. if they can continue to bolster, that helps the back end. The back end that's pretty light right now, Jerry Sneed playing well. Um, they're, they're moving some guys in about who comes in when they go to the nickel. But there's still a possibility out there from a player down in Miami that doesn't want to be there any longer. And if they get this Tyron thing done, that opens up enough space. Maybe they could go try to acquire another high-end corner. Would you be into that, or do you think that it's too far gone at this point? You're going to give me Xavier Howard? Yeah, I'd be into that. Okay, just check. Are, are, are you kidding me? <clears throat> I don't know how you wouldn't be into that. That To me, that would be a fantastic move for this defense. And I, I like their corners. I think they'll be fine. Um, but adding Howard to this defense, uh, if you can at least – if he can come in and he can be happy, uh, I think that that – I mean, you watched that one play against Tyree Hill last year mm-hmm. where it was just a phenomenal play. You, you think he has no chance at an interception – you think maybe he could knock the ball down, but to pick off the ball there, you know, that's insane. So I really do think that that would be a move that I would love to see. The question is, is can they get it done? Uh, it sounds like Miami wants to take him to the NFC, which makes sense, uh, but they're going to trade him to whoever gives him the most draft picks. And the other thing that that would make very interesting is I guarantee you Howard's not going to go for anything less than a first. Yeah. So Kansas has got to give up a first to get him, which means they're going to have to sign him long term. Uh, and probably have a deal pretty much done when you make that trade uh, if you're going to do that. But the other thing that that would do for Miami is that opens up the possibility of a trade for Watson. Correct. And even bigger. would be very interesting. <clears throat> right. An even bigger trade for Watson. So, which is interesting because I think Tua, you know, with Tua there, you would think that, okay, well, Tua is going to go to Houston. Well, that would take away maybe some need for first-round draft picks, but it doesn't really sound like that's going to be the case. And I'm sitting here going, man, that's a lot to give up. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sean Watson's a fantastic player, but you're going to give up Tua, and it sounds like Houston wants three first-round picks. It's good to want things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think two and a first would probably get it done at the end of the day. Because there is a large cloud hanging over that player right now, so let's there is. But the NFL doesn't seem like they're going to be doing anything. No, and, it, they don't. And the the trials, the civil trial, civic trials, civil uh, whatever those. the yeah those trials, uh, civil trials are going to be something that's going to drag out over the next couple, maybe the next couple of months, but more than likely over the next couple of years. So more than likely, Watson's going to be playing for the foreseeable future. So. I could see a situation where they would make that trade because you probably get them for another two seasons at least. Uh, although, obviously, you would want it for much more. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> these are all preponderances. But so far, camp's been going, I think, pretty well. Would you go for um, Howard? You never said. 
I, I think the cost is pretty high. He seems like he doesn't want an entirely new contract from what I understand. He just wants some more guaranteed money. That might be something that an effectual uh, is a restructure the Chiefs might actually be in the mood for. I just don't know if it's enough room by getting the Tyron Matthew deal down or if it requires something else. It seems like it's going to be pretty thin just on that, but we don't know the structure yet. So I do think that that's coming. I'm going to have to see it first. But, folks, when we know about any of those scenarios, we'll let you know, and we'll have more for you. We'll probably drop something, or at least I will on Twitter, um, about the events over the weekend while Chris wraps up his move. But thank you for tuning in today. A couple days into camp, it's only going to get better from here. When the pads are back on, we will be back with you. We thank you for your time in subbing and liking over on YouTube and subscribing to us on iTunes and Spotify, etc. Hope that you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy your time out at camp, and we will catch you Sunday. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.